Hello, good morning. This is John Talley, pastor at Christ Church, Milwaukee. I want to welcome you if you're listening to this uh, online or on our sermon link from our website. Uh, obviously, a little bit different circumstances and situations given our current environment with uh, coronavirus. We've postponed church for March 15th, perhaps uh, even longer in future weeks. We're going to decide that uh, week by week, case by case at Christ Church, Milwaukee. Um, but obviously, this is going to be a little bit different format, um, not so much a true sermon format, more of a, a talk or a message. You can think of it more of a podcast as much as anything else, I guess, um, even though we're going to try to link to it on our website for your encouragement and benefit. And the session at Christ Church wanted to take an opportunity to think through creatively ways we can continue to get the word out to you, our church, the people to be encouraged by, to listen to, to be strengthened by, to be edified by in this uh, strange and unique time. Uh, obviously, it is it is a unique time. It's a somewhat uh, alarming time for many of us, um, but it's not a surprising time to our God. And so uh, with that in mind, I wanted to share some, some thoughts from uh, the Gospel of John this morning, from John chapter 16, verse 33. A little bit of context about what's happening here in John 16. Of course, this is the upper room discourse, as it's commonly known, beginning in John 13 and running through the end of 16. And John 17 is Jesus' high priestly prayer, uh, where he is praying for the disciples, for us. A pretty remarkable and beautiful and encouraging prayer. Uh, But the end of chapter 16, along with the chapters that precede it, is essentially Jesus' uh, words of encouragement. It's his words of instruction, his words of comfort and peace to his disciples uh, on the night before he was about to die. Um, These words to his disciples some 2,000 years ago had great effect, uh, great encouragement, and brought great comfort to his disciples long ago. And surely they would do that for us today as well in times such as this that are so strange and, and uncertain. So, With that in mind, I'm going to read John 16, verse 33, and share a few thoughts for us. John 16, 33 says this, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let me pray. Our gracious God and Father, we do thank you for uh, this great reality and truth that in Christ we will have peace and that he himself is the great conqueror. He has overcome the world. Not even death itself could hold him down, could hold him back. He has risen forth in victory, conquering all enemies and foes, even death itself. And so we live in that great truth and that reality. We trust that you will care for us, that all of our needs and our fears will be addressed and met in Christ, the things that we're unsure of, the things that we um, are fearful of, you will take care of us. And so we pray that again, in this strange and unique season of life, um, in our homes, isolated, separated from one another, we are not separated from you. You are with us, you care for us. We pray that we would take great heart and encouragement from that truth. We ask your blessing upon us as your people. In Christ's name, amen.
few things that are worth uh, recognizing and kind of taking notice of in this short verse from John 16. Um, the first is where we have peace, uh, that Jesus tells his disciples and tells us that in him we have peace. And that's really the first and perhaps most important uh, idea for us to consider from this passage is that we have peace in Christ. And I think it's really important for us to really begin with that. We need to hear that first, that we have peace in Christ, right? Before we lose our focus on everything that's taking place in the world around us, all the news that's swirling around us, all the changing events that seem to happen uh, minute by minute, hour by hour, different reports that we hear, um, rumors of war, rumors of famine, uh, pestilence, all the things that can strike fear in us, we need to hear this great truth that in Christ, first and foremost, we have peace. Earlier in his uh, discourse with his disciples in John 14, 27, Jesus has already spoken about this peace. He says to the disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus has already spoken to his disciples once about the great peace that he offers to them and gives to them and that they have in him. And it's worth reminding ourselves of this peace that he gives us and what it is that he actually means when he speaks of peace being ours in him. And that's where we pause and just remind ourselves of this kind of deeper biblical understanding of peace, this word shalom, the Old Testament Hebrew word for peace, shalom. And it's worth remembering again that it's not just the absence of conflict or war. It's so much bigger than that. It's calmness. It's blessedness. It's fruitfulness. It's wholeness and completeness, right? Shalom is that idea that concept, that reality that Jesus has enjoyed with the Father in the Spirit in triune and holy communion from since before the creation of the world. That's the peace, that's the shalom that the Trinity has enjoyed. And it's the exact same peace that he is actually giving to us and bestowing upon the disciples. What a remarkable thought that is, that that same peace, that shalom, that wholeness and completeness and blessedness that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have enjoyed uh, together in Holy Communion uh, for all eternity. That is what Jesus is giving to us. What a remarkable thought. And that's what he gives us, and that's what he gives to the disciples. And when we pause for a moment to think about that, surely that is what we are desperate for right now, right? Peace, calm, balance, a sense of wholeness, a sense of completeness. Think for just a moment about all the things that you've seen on the news or maybe even your own life in real time. You walk into a Costco or the grocery store. You see people fighting over toilet paper. It sounds laughable at any other moment in time, but in our day and age, it's a reality that people are are fighting in our own country over kind of basic staple goods. Surely we need peace in a day like today and in a time like the ones we are in right now. Reminded of what the psalmist says in Psalm 4 and verses 6 through 8 as we think about our current cultural climate and our need for peace. The psalmist writes this, There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart 
than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, there's that word again, in shalom, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Again, that's Psalm 4, verses 6 through 8. And it's this peace, this soul-satisfying, this joy-giving, life-infusing peace that we can have. And we need to remember that this peace is found in Christ. That's a huge point that we need to take note of. It's found in Christ. It can't be mass-produced. It can't be manufactured in times of crisis like we can maybe hopefully mass-produce safety mask or hand sanitizer or even coronavirus test kits, right? This can't be mass-produced or manufactured in a time of crisis out on a whim. This peace is only found in Christ. It can't even come from within ourselves or from another person. It's only found in Christ. So how do we get this peace? Well, we get this peace. We gain this peace that he promises when we get in him. When we get into Christ, when we are found in him, we gain the peace. By gaining Christ, we gain peace. This peace is a benefit that comes with being united to Christ. We get it in him. He is our refuge. He is our castle. He is our safety zone. Uh, To draw out that metaphor even further, when we sequester ourselves and we even quarantine, if we can use that metaphor ourselves in Christ, then we have peace. It's only in him that we will have the peace that he speaks of, right? Being found in him, our refuge, our crag, our safety zone, our place of peace that is in Christ and in him, we will have this peace. And this is the promise of Christ, right? That in him, we will have peace. What a beautiful, remarkable promise that he gives to us. Take heart, Christian. Be encouraged by those words that in him, we will have peace. But we don't want to live naively, and we need to recognize that in this short verse of John sixteen thirty three, um, having peace in Christ is not the only promise that he gives us. He actually makes a more sobering promise as well following this. He promises us that in the world, we will have tribulation. We will have peace in Christ, but in the world, we will have tribulation. The root word of this word that we translate tribulation, the Greek, is translated several other different ways in the New Testament. It's translated as burdens, uh, afflictions, sufferings, It's translated sometimes as anguish or as troubles. Uh, In other words, right, Jesus is saying that in this life, you will experience hard things. You will see hard things. You will participate in hard things. You'll have to make hard decisions. You will feel the sting of these things in your life. These things will try you. They'll test you. They'll punish you. They'll stretch you. And again, you will... Feel this tribulation, Jesus says, acutely at times and sometimes indirectly. You'll feel it locally and sometimes you may even feel it globally, as in the current day and age that we live in now with the coronavirus. But here's the thing. Do not be surprised, Jesus says. Don't let these things catch you off guard. For the Christian, we ought to keep in mind that these events that are surrounding us right now in this moment and others like them haven't just come out of nowhere. We don't always know 
when they may come or what form they will exactly take, but we shouldn't be surprised at all by their arrival. Jesus says in many other places that we will have these types of sufferings. And again, he doesn't go into detail here in John sixteen thirty three about what forms it will take and what that suffering and tribulation will look like, but we surely are promised that it will come. And so therefore it shouldn't catch us off guard. We are told to be prepared. It has come before in other forms. It's upon us now in its own unique form, and it will come again in other forms until Jesus should return. So we're called to be prepared and to not be surprised by tribulation and suffering. This is what comes with life in a fallen world. And really, that's the reason for the tribulation that we have in this world, right? Because we live in a fallen and broken world. Make no mistake, right? The coronavirus, the Black Plague centuries ago, even things like HIV, AIDS, the flu, cancer, right? Other forms of sickness and disease, right? These are actually all a result of sin entering and corrupting the world. All the way back in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve's fall from grace. Part of the thing that we need to remember and keep in mind about the creation itself is that God's creation was good. And part of what happened in his creating out of nothing is that God seeks to establish order out of chaos, right? God creates order out of the chaos that had existed. And part of the primary objectives of sin then is to begin to reverse that, to begin to sow chaos, right? To sow discord, to sow uncertainty, Again, think about the clips and images you've seen on social media or the news of what's happening at the Costco near you. I just was in a conversation the other day with a good friend of mine that lives in Los Angeles. He's a minister out there, and I was asking him how things were going in California just with some of the images that I've seen with people at the mall or people at the store or people at the grocery. And he replied, had I seen the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith and Of course, if you've seen that film, you know it's a pretty uh, grim image of a dystopian future. And he, of course, was saying it in jest and somewhat humorously, but somewhat truthfully as well. It seems pretty chaotic, right? And this is what happens when sin enters the world. The coronavirus itself exposes our sinful hearts, our selfishness, and chaos is what results um, from that, right? Chaos is a result of sin in the world. It's part of the tribulation that we will experience in the world. But along with that, sin in the world will also sow fear. But here's where we as disciples are to meet fear with courage and faith. And this is what Jesus speaks to directly in this passage as well. That in this world, our tribulations, we will experience chaos. We will experience fear. But here is the good news. Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. There's so much wrapped up in this small statement. It's worth our reflection for a few moments. There is courage for the present moment, right? That's what that idea means, to take heart. We are called to be courageous. Think back to God's words to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, where he is calling Joshua to rally the people of God 
the people of Israel, to remember who he is and what he has done, to be courageous, to not live in fear, right? There's all kinds of chaos ensuing in Israel. Moses has died. Their leader has been taken from them. They are unsure of what will happen next. And God reminds Joshua of the great work that he has done on their behalf. And he challenges them to be courageous, to not fear, to take heart. Why? Because he is with them. This is one of the primary reasons that God challenges us to take heart. Throughout scripture, again and again and again, God tells us, do not fear, be courageous, take heart. Why? Because I am with you. I am with you. That's one of the primary reasons that God gives his people to remember to be courageous, to remember to take heart, to remember to not live in fear. We are not alone. But here in John 16, 33, Jesus gives us perhaps an even more powerful reason to take heart. Not just that he is with us, surely he is, but that he himself has overcome the world. This is our great hope for the future, right? Even as it unfolds right now in the present, Jesus is the victor. He is the conqueror. He is the overcomer. The implications of this for us in real time as disciples are massive and significant, right? In Christ, we cannot lose. Think about that for a moment. That in Christ, you and I cannot lose. We are victors in him. Jesus told Martha in John 11, upon the death of her brother, Lazarus, in John eleven twenty five and 26, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And the question that Jesus asked Martha following that statement is one that we need to answer as well. Do you believe this? Jesus made that radical statement about the resurrection that Though someone die in him, they will live because he is the resurrection and the life. And then he asked this profound question. Do you believe this? That is our question today, is it not? Do we believe this? In spite of our circumstances, as we look around, the uncertainty, the fear, the anxiety about the future, the anxiety about the present, do we believe that Jesus is the victor? that he is the overcomer, that he has overcome the world. Listen, the coronavirus may take away people from this life and this world, people that we know, people that we love. It may not. We pray that it doesn't. And yet it still won't stop the reality that death at some point will come in some form, in some fashion. But this is what Jesus is saying. It will not have the final say. Jesus does. He is the victor. He is the overcomer. The world will provide for us our fair share of tribulation. Be sure of that. But it will not determine our fate. Jesus is the one who holds and determines our fate. And remember, for those of us that are in him, we are safe. A few months ago when we started our Philippians series That was one of the very first messages that we spent time looking at from Philippians 1, 1 and 2, the very opening of the book that Paul addresses the saints who are in Christ and who are in Philippi, their eternal spiritual home and their temporal physical home. And that applies to us just as much today, right? That we have this temporal physical home here in Milwaukee or the greater Milwaukee area. 
And we're living in the midst of a pandemic, uncertainty, fear. But this is where we are, and yet we are also in Christ. And the reality is that if we are in him, we are in the safest place we could possibly be. And in him, we have peace. So as we kind of conclude this study of John 16, 33, a couple of things that are worth keeping in mind and remembering. Know what it is that you have in Christ. What is it that we have in Christ? We have peace, deep abiding shalom. Know what it is that you have in the world. What do we have in the world? Trouble and tribulation, uncertainty, fear. That's a promise that we will have. But we are also called to know what it is that we will have ultimately in the end. And what is that? We have victory. We have resurrection life. We have a Savior who has overcome and conquered all. These are strange times we live in, isn't it? There's a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty, but Jesus calls us and challenges us to remember, to take heart. He has overcome the world. As we wait for his timing to cause this strange season to pass, in the meantime, we'll pray that God will give us grace, peace, and patience, and mercy, that we might be able to show ourselves to be a people of victory, to be a people of joy to be a people who live with this true abiding peace, this shalom, to love our neighbors well and to love one another well, to continue to pursue our God. May God bless us to that end. Amen.